Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Shamai, hello and welcome to In the Spotlight, a podcast from the lifestyle team at Wales Online where we sit down with some of the biggest and best names in showbiz. We'll be finding out where our guests got their big break and also some of the struggles they faced along the way. I'm your host, Sam Cook, and this week's special guest is record producer and songwriter Pete Waterman. Hello, Pete Waterman. Afternoon. How are you? I'm marvellous. How are you feeling ahead of I Should Be So Lucky in Cardiff? Are you are you feeling lucky? Always lucky. Always good to come to Cardiff. Um, lots of uh, Welsh connections. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a trek for me down the A49, but I'm looking forward to it. You say you've got Welsh connections. What 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 are your Welsh connections? Well, my daughters are Welsh, mm-hmm. and because uh, my wife my wife was born in the Ronda, so um, you know, lots of Welsh connections there, isn't it? And I used to run the Cardiff Valley Railways. So, um, yeah, strong strong connections to Wales. So when you come back to Wales, do you feel this sense of, of pride, this sense of heraith when you're here? Wales has played a big part of my life because, you know, I was born in Coventry and, you know, Real and, and Landidno were the big holiday towns for the Midlands back in the 40s. So my first ever experience of the seaside was really 1949, you know, so... Um, and I guess when you're that, that young, things are impressive, and they and they they still stay with you for, your, for the rest of your life, you know. So, and I got lots of friends down, you know, on the railways in in Wales, particularly in North Wales. So, uh, and I only live literally twenty miles from uh, from Wales. So, it isn't as if I'm that far away. I mean, I'm just right on the border of Cheshire and and Wrexham. So. Um, when other people move south, I move north. And uh, we touched upon uh, you've got this this new show. I should be so lucky, and it's coming to uh, Cardiff. Um, to our listeners, sort of briefly sum up the show for them. Fun. It's fun, 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 fun. From the minute it starts to the minute it ends. If you don't like smiling, don't come and see this show because you'll you'll walk out with a hurt face because it's fun. It's it's two hours of just incredible fun it's and let's be honest in the world that we've got today at the moment we need a bit of a you know a bit of a smile to get us through to christmas um and for two just for a couple of hours you can be transported back and all your favorite moments of when you were 14 will come flooding back it's been quite reflective for you like hearing all your music played in a different way now and, and told in this story. It must be quite kind of quite cathartic in that way. It's difficult. Yeah, it is. It is difficult because um, it is 30 and 30, 40 years from these songs ago. And a couple, um, a couple, I mean, I've seen the show 11 times now, obviously. 
to with that involved. And um, people see songs in different ways. But sometimes, you know, when the f- first time I saw the, fir- the first run through, um, memories come flooding back to you, you know, of, of, of why you wrote that song or what it was like at that moment when you write that, wrote that song. And, and that can have some very, very hard hitting moments for you. I mean, you know, take the Sonia song, for instance, You'll Never Stop Me Loving You. They've slowed it down, for, you know, for the head bridesmaid. It brings me to tears. I've seen the show 11 times and I still cry every night because I remember I was a DJ at Radio City in Liverpool where the young girl called in and told me that story on the air. And I was writing it down because I was so intrigued. And, you know, back in when, when we put the Sonia record up, we couldn't have put it out as a ballad, but they've turned it into a ballad and it's fantastic. So as the writer, you instantly go, well, I wish I could have done it like that. You couldn't because we just couldn't have put out a Sonia record with a ballad. But then, you know, you remember that phone call with that young girl in Bedingborough here in, you know, Merseyside. And it brings it all back. And, you know, it's, and it, which is what, what the public do. The public will tell you, I want, you know, when I first heard Kylie, I was here. I was there. I was doing this. I was doing that. Because that's what memory, you know, that's what music does. It provokes a memory. Like you said, this music has has lasted over 30 years. People hold it with such high regard. Yes. How does that feel for you? Oh, that's, that's the difficult part. That is a very, very difficult part. And, and we're still trying, by the way, you know, it, because you're, you're spot on. For us, for Matt, Mike and me, we have this duty to look after these songs, not for us, because, you know, if anybody covers, they have to pay us. But we owe it to the public who bought the original records to not let them down. And that's really, really difficult. So, for instance, you know, because we're so involved with the show, we have changed it constantly. And we're still changing it because the producer and director and the musical uh, arranger are a lot younger than me. And they don't really understand why people are so attached to these songs. To them, they're just songs. But you just pointed out they're not just songs. They're memories. And if you aren't going to let that, if you're going to let that memory down, then you've cheated. You know, we've always felt, we've never, you've never heard one of our songs as, a, as an advert because we've always said, no, that's, we wrote these songs for a very special purpose. And, and we worked hard on these songs. Now, I know people think writing pop songs is easy. Well, it isn't. It is really, really difficult, particularly if you mean what you're writing. So you're right. There's this, it is, you know, some nights I have to go to the directors and say, sorry, you can't do that. And if I take, for instance, an example of what I mean, in the show, The, 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 the Bride, the lead, the lead Girl, wants to be a singer like Kylie. So she decides to stand up in a karaoke bar and sing Venus. And in the show, it goes, God is on a mat. And I said, stop, stop. Said, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. And they went, why? I said, because the track goes, ding a ding a ding a ding a ding ding a ding a ding a ding a ding They probably don't want that bit. No, you can't not have that bit because that sets the whole song up 
for everybody to jump up and sing, God is on a mountain top. <laughs> and they didn't get it. Hmm. And there's another part where one of the, I won't give the plot away too, but one of the lead lads goes, um, you know, we're no strangers to love, like that. The whole audience all go, you know the rules, and so do I. And they stopped the song. And I went, what are you doing? Well, we don't want that song. Well, you can't do that. The public, when they hear it, that's what they want. They know what the joke is. They know where you're taking them. They want to be part of it. You, you certainly can't stop the, the, the story at that point. Mm. And they go, oh, you're too precious. Yes, we are. Because you've teased the audience. You said you're going to give them the song. Give them the song. Would you say that you are very precious about uh, your songs? Like when, when they were actually putting together this musical, obviously you you played you know you very important role here. But w- were you kind of wary beforehand? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We've been working on you know this is about the tenth time we've been approached to do one of these, mm. and so we've worked with some very famous writers to try and get to this point. And I mean, I'm not going to name them, but they just didn't work. They didn't. The treatment did not treat the song. Now. I'm in the incredible, or we're in the incredible position that we've probably got one of the next to Abba, one of the greatest pop catalogs of the Beatles. So we've got like over 70 hits. So they've all seen the commercial value of the songs, but they haven't seen or understood the lyric of the song. And and so it's all right saying, well, all we need is like 20 of your songs it isn't, and a million people are going to go and see the show. That's not important. That's like us turning down major commercials which we have where we've thought to to let the song be in a commercial would spoil the song because i remember talking to sting um when he sung when he sold don't stand so close to me to a deodorant ad it killed his song Mm. you can't ever take that song serious after you've seen the ad where he goes don't stand it's like whoa whoa that's not what it was all about yeah. And I suppose in the same vein, I suppose people's interpretations of certain songs change. Like for me now, ne- I'm never going to give you up. I mean, obviously, we went through the whole the Rick rolled, the YouTube. How does that feel when that happens? That must be quite difficult. No, no, not at all. Not as long as they play the track. Yeah. You know, if they're playing the track, I don't care. You know, I mean, I don't know whether you know, but. The whole thing with with Rick Astley really came from um, Family Guy. Yeah, so that's where this all started, uh, and it, it just kept rolling and rolling and rolling. I mean, Rick Astley must be one of the only artists that's had three American presidents play a song of his at the the inauguration. I mean, you know, when we were never going to give you up and together forever, we didn't realise three American presidents were going to use that at their inauguration. It's, it's like it's. Fairy story stuff, you know. And and you see Rick at Glastonbury and Kylie's, you know, at Vegas, and you think 30 years ago we were the you know, we were the antichrist. People hated us. Mm. People, you know, they chastised their children. If you don't behave yourself, we'll send you to Stock Aching Waterman to write a song for you. 
And it's like it's people's like like I just said. I mean, people's interpretations of music change. The music landscape is ever changing. How would you describe the landscape currently of music? You know, with these new artists sort of com- coming in. What are your thoughts on it at the minute? Well, I think it, like in everything else, and I don't think it's ever changed. And I've been buying records since about 1956. There's good and bad in everything, you know. And there's some great artists now, um, and there always has been. But then there's not hundreds of them. They're very few and far between. Great records are few and far between. So, um, you know, I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, for instance, but I'm a Jonas Brothers fanatic. So I suddenly like, it seems strange, I'm really liking modern country music, like the Jonas Brothers. I really like that stuff. Yet Taylor Swift, to me, is too wishy-washy. It's too... It's, it's all too packaged. Mm. I like I like it a little bit more real than than than, than all that is. So, um, but I, yeah, I I I love I just love music. You know, I still get goosebumps when I hear Mason Dorman because it's it's just great, and I get angry when I read Paul McCartney that he doesn't understand why people still play. I want to hold your hand. And John Lennon didn't like the early Beatles songs. Sorry, they're magnificent. You know, there was no, there were no frills. They were off the hip, and people loved them. You can, you can analyze music up the kazoo, but you know that if when your hair's on your back, your hands stand on end, it's a hit. What would you say? Like you've had a fantastic career. Um, you've done so many different things. What would you, and this is a very hard question, but what would you say is the proudest moment of your career? The moment you've gone, wow, we I, we did it. We made it. Oh, that's easy. That's easy. Um, and it, it's for a different reason, actually. But it, it's, it's it's that moment where you, you actually have to pinch yourself that it's you and that it's happening. So we did the Hillsborough record, the original Hillsborough record. And... Um, we'd agreed with uh, the, the Liverpool Football Club that we would put the last wreath for the video on the pitch. So the um, the club had arranged for me to turn up in the car park with this wreath. They're going to film me going to the pitch to put the, sleeve, the, the last wreath on the pitch. I parked in a car park. I got out of the car and somebody shouted, there's Pete Waterman. And they carried me from the car park over their shoulders about a good half a mile to the gates and cheered and clapped. And you just go, wow. All we did was make a pop record. But that for the community was so special that I took that time to make those calls because I was a DJ on the radio in the morning and, and followed it through. And you just think, my God, that's incredible. A whole city where I wasn't born, but stood up and applauded. That's incredible. And all I did was make a pop record. That well, that I mean, something like that wouldn't be like just the best moment in my career, but maybe my life. I mean, that that's such that, a fantastic. I think it is. Oh no, yeah. I think it's one of the, it's one of those moments in your life where you think. Because I think we all sit sometimes and think, and I have, as you've already said, I have a, I've had an amazing life, and it's still amazing. To go and see people 40 years on singing all the songs and, and coming up to me at the end and, and, and embracing me and say, this is fantastic. We've had such a fantastic... I've only been out this morning 
into Northwich and a lady stopped me in the street and we went to the show last night. Brilliant. Thank you very much. And you go, that's amazing. You know, this is 30 years on and people are still thanking me. Is there anything you haven't done that you'd still like to do? No, not really. No? No, not no, in all honesty, no. Um, I've had a charm life. I've been able to do exactly what I've wanted to do. And um, I took that decision back in the very late 60s that I had to be in charge of my own destiny. I could no longer work for the telephone company or whoever I was working for at that time. I wanted it to be my own boss. And I don't mean that for ego reasons. I mean, I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. I didn't want to get to 60 or 70 and think I could have done this. Because and, I, and so it just like, look, like, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of people listening to this uh, who are inspired by your story. What What's uh, a bit of advice you give them? If you really, really believe in it, go out and do it. But there's a caveat. Always know when you are too far in and you're not going to get out. Always look for the exit. It's great to say that you're going full in. Always make sure there is a safety net because not everything will work. You, that's an impossibility. Always have enough that you can get yourself out without being scarred. Don't be afraid to make the mistake. I've made lots of mistakes, but I've always made sure that I owned up to the mistakes and, and move on. That's why I walked away from Pop Idol. What I said, sorry, I don't want to do this anymore. This is, it started off as an honest job. Now, uh, with all of the issues that are on television, I can't be honest anymore. No. And if I can't be honest, and you're going to tell me what to say and script me, I'm out. I'm not that person. I like yeah, that. Yeah, the money's fantastic on television, but I can't live with my dishonesty. If you're not a good singer, I'll say you're not a good singer. And if that offends you, you shouldn't be standing here in front of me. See, the success of programmes like Pop Idol and X Factor and, you know, all that, that genre of television programme, did you ever have any regrets? No, no, only when only when it became obvious that it wasn't a music programme. I mean, you mm. know, it's well documented. When Michelle McManus won, it was not about Michelle McManus. It was about television fixing it, so it was a Saturday night drama that you could watch. And that's dishonest. That's dishonest. You know, and, and I'm, pre you know, at the time I got criticised for all the wrong reasons, what I said was, this girl is not a pop star. Two years later, she's not a pop star. Well, that's what I told you. She might, she, you know, she might be a lot of things. I'm very brave to go on, but that's not what this show's about. This show is, are you a pop star? Mm. No. Well, I mean, you don't, well, I mean, she was no Kylie, was she? Let's put it that way. No, no <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm saying. So you come on here, and everyone works because of a weight. Well, no, it's not because of a weight. Adele's got weight, but she's an amazing singer. Yeah. This girl isn't an amazing singer, and she's not got the greatest personality I've ever met. No. And I think with programmes like that, I think it does become more about narrative 
rather than talent, doesn't it? Yeah, and you know, um, you know, it, you know. I look back now. I mean, you know, I walked away from the biggest format in the world. You know, I could have gone to America and stood alongside Simon, and um, but I just said, do you know what? I remember. In fact, somebody told me this yesterday. I remember saying to Simon when I was supposed to fly to the States, I've planted some flowers in my garden. You know what, Simon? I'd rather watch them grow. Wow. I did. That's and, great. And it was like... What an because, exit line. No, well, it's like, you know, it's like I've done all this. It's And we were honest about it. We went out on the road. We were very honest. We made a great show. You got 26 million viewers. Everybody loved it. And now... The Americans are you're telling us what we can and what we can't do. I'm not interested. I think there's a need for programs like that anymore. There's rumours that they're going to create more X Factor. And, and to be honest, I mean, personally, I think that the format has become stale and tired. I, I think there's other ways in which, you know, TikTok now and all that type of thing where you find musicians on there. Well, I think you're right. You're right. You're right there. But you're... The problem with TikTok is, it's cheats. That's just an example. Yeah, no, it no, is no, a no, cheat. Yeah, but the problem is with TikTok. You know, like my granddaughter here, she thinks that's a music industry. Yeah, but it's hey, not. Thirty seconds ain't no summer. It's <laughs> lazy. Do you find that it's, TikTok is so lazy? lazy. And yeah, and like, I find lazy. like where you where you see like the the comedians sort of dubbing over their voice, and I'm like, it takes the it takes the gag away. It's it's lazy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're right, and that's and you know, that's why I'm saying you know there is a room for these shows, but not at the moment because I think at the moment you can't be honest. No. And we go back to pop art, pop idol, and pop stars arrivals, which had the biggest audience. We were honest. We weren't lying to you. We fact, you know, we had some fun. We had a laugh with the kids. We weren't rude. We weren't aggressive. We just had a had a fun, and people at home loved it, and they laughed, and they. they but the one thing was, you know, people to this still day say, when you said that to that guy, that's exactly what we thought. The public are not daft. Can't mm. kid the public. That's that's one of the things I think that's changed drastically. Now we don't give the public enough, you know, enough credit for their thoughts. We we we've dumbed down everything. You know, I, you know, if you look at television now, and I just finished a series of Channel 4. But so, you know, and I remember saying to the directors, you know, I don't want every, for the first 45 seconds when we come back after the ad, a reprise of what we've done in the, the hour before. It's only 30 seconds. It's three minutes of the car. Remember what we did three minutes ago? That's not one day. That's not worth making a programme. All these successful uh, music careers that, that you've helped kind of form and all these different things, do you still keep in regular contact with the likes of Kylie, Jason Donovan? I'm working with her on, I'm working with her on Friday night. Wow, cool. Yeah, send, so, send yeah, her my I, best. Yeah. Sorry? <laughs> send send her my I, best. You know, yeah, I mean, I had another thing that was quite unusual for us. You know, it was we only worked with people we wanted to work with, and that also was important. Because work is a hard job. You know, you, you, you're there struggling to make a hit. And, and you know, you're, the, the pressure's on you to make it. If you don't like the person, there's no point in doing it. 
because it's not about the money. It's about you going on and doing something else after it, you know. And I look at some of the artists, you know, my daughters in the in the industry, and the way that some of these new companies work, it's no fun. Mm. They're one minute here, the next minute there, you know. And you just go, I love this. This was great. I'm working five, you know, I'm working probably 17 to 18 hours every day of my life. I only work, ever work five days a week because I don't think you can work seven days a week. And I loved every minute of it. You know, I loved every minute of it. But, you know, did I stop and smell the roses? No. Do I wish I'd have stopped and smelled the roses? No. It's because we had a fantastic life, you know. At the minute, everyone's going to be paying attention to music as we slowly but surely enter the festive season. Um, are you somebody who likes Christmas songs or, or are you so oh, yeah. you love oh, them? Yeah. Great. Oh, yeah. One of the best things I ever did was I did songs of praise for the BBC for two years uh, about Christmas carols. Oh, I love I love Christmas. I was a choir boy. And to me, well, the best time of the year was coming up to Christmas and I still, you know, still read the lessons at Chester Cathedral. Um, I mean, the Christmas carols are the greatest songs ever written, you know. I mean, they've influenced so many pop songs, you know. Um, the first Noel, for instance, is She Loves You. The first Noel, she says she loves you. And, you know, you should be glad. And, and the people go, oh, my God, did you realise that? It's the Beatles, for God's sake. We're brought up in school with Away in the Manger and all these great songs. Of course they're going to influence you. What's, what's your favourite Christmas song? And you can't say one of your own. Oh, one of my favourite Christmas songs is um, White Christmas. Great. I just, it's just whew, amazing. Amazing. Obviously, I wish I'd written that one. <laughs> and the only thing is, and this is an interesting, it's an interesting question, because I, I do talk a lot about um, writers and songs. So here is the greatest Christmas song of all time. A, it's not a Christmas song, and it's written by a Jew that doesn't believe in Christmas, right? Because it's his job. But his job, he's so good at his job, he can actually put himself in the place of a Christian writing about a Christmas, a, a, a religious event. That is talent. You know, Bing Crosby only ever sang it once. He was on his way to the golf course, only did one take and walked out the back and went and play golf. And it's one of the greatest records in history. What a man. What a man. I'm, but you know, interesting enough, uh, Pete, I'm actually named after a musician. My name's Sam Cook. I mean, you, you oh. might be aware, of course. Oh, no, you ain't. Hang on a minute. You're not <laughs> named after any musician. You're named after one of the greatest. Of Great, course. Along with Marvin Gaye, one of the greatest singers of all time. I love Sam Cook. I'm going to Believe steal me. that as a quote and then I'm going to put that. Oh, well, there you go. It's Pete Waterman loves Sam Cook. <laughs> oh, I do. I mean, I was brought up on Sam Cook. I, I actually met Sam Cook twice. Um, Three times. Not much about history. I mean, it's just effortless. He's one of those singers that you dream. It's like Rick Astley, funny enough. They just sing. They, they just emote. It's got everything in them. It's just, oh, I mean, Sam Cook. I mean, you know, I as a DJ, you can play Sam Cook on the radio 
every day your audience would go up. Of course. Well, thank you very much, Pete. That has been uh, wonderful. Uh, from all of us at Wales Online, we wish you all the best with uh, the new show. Uh, I hope you're very, very lucky with I Should Be So Lucky. Um, and from all of us, thank you very much. And I'll be there tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the latest TV and showbiz news by subscribing to our newsletter over at walesonline.co.uk. Thank you.